0: At our bold predictions for 2024. Now, in is a decentralized physical infrastructure network. Uh, it's basically a name for a blockchain network that uses tokens to incentivize communities, not corporations, to build physical infrastructure networks. A new era for Web3 games arrived. There's going to be a lot of AI overlap with a lot of the blockchain programs with these on chain agents. Welcome back to another episode of the Benabergs podcast. I'm Ben, your favorite high school dropout and founder of Collective Shift. Alongside Ms. Bergs, your favorite MBA and CEO of Collective Shift, join us as we bring you world-class crypto research and strategies to help you dominate this crypto bull market, as well as behind-the-scenes view of us scaling a fully remote subscription research business. And today, we are looking at the 2024 crypto outlook and predictions. What do the team and uh, Bergs and I think is going to happen in 2024? Uh, We've analyzed and synthesized a lot of information from a lot of the big funds, uh, that have been out and uh, given their predictions. And we've sort of put together what we think are the most common themes that are going to happen in 2024 and how you can take advantage of that. Where is Bitcoin going? Where are the sectors that are going to run? And uh, where you should be placing your money? So uh, really, if I kick off, the, the most common themes that we think are going to play out in 2024 uh, stems around a few different areas. One is that we do think Bitcoin hits a new record high in 2024 as we head into the post-halving era. Uh, those twelve to eighteen months post Bitcoin halving is the most bullish um, and historically the best for price. Um, so obviously, Bitcoin halving is coming up in April. We fully expect price to really run uh, for the year following that. Uh, a new era for Web three games arrives. So as we know, there's been so much money pumped into the market uh, over the last, uh, you know, sort of couple of years in the gaming sector. We've got a lot of new games coming out this year, which is going to be really exciting. There's going to be a lot of uh, AI uh, overlap with a lot of the blockchain different um, uh, sort of programs with these on-chain agents, really making things more scalable and more programmable um, for markets and computing resources. Uh, and then obviously, stablecoins continuing to be increased in commerce. Stablecoins are just you know continuing to grow in in terms of volumes and on-chain activity. Um, you know, I've got the Stables app on my phone, which I'm able to pay for things with uh, stablecoins, which is really cool and just a great use case for. For, for cryptocurrencies. Uh and then also Solana's D pin um narrative source. This has been in the headlines um, you know, pretty recently. It's a new sort of sector. Solana's obviously been in the spotlight for the last like six to twelve months and the the D pin narratives um starting to grow as well, which we'll touch on as well. But they're sort of the main um, you know, themes that we think are gonna come
1: up in twenty twenty four. Berg, is there any other themes that you're thinking that will sort of show up this year? I think Ethereum all time high. With everything that's happening, ETF on the horizon, I really see that happening this year. And I think all of these, they're pretty solid because you've got, you know, Bitcoin, you've had an ETF, you've got the halving happening. Uh, Solana's gone nuts and you've got the decentralized physical infrastructure networks. Web3, huge themes, had money pumped into it during the bear market they've been building. You've got, AI and blockchain, AI is huge. It's come off the boiler a bit, but combine it with blockchain, different agents doing different things, people experimenting. And of course, stable coins, where are you going to put your profits? It's very rare that you're going to convert it back into fiat. And a lot of people use DEXs nowadays, so they want a stable coin. It's much easier just to hold it in that crypto environment unless you need to take it out and actually spend it. And even if you do, like you said, you can use the stables app. Yeah, man, I think you've nailed that there with with Ethereum. It really underperformed
0: last year, and the sentiment really went bearish when Solana started to run. Uh, but I think there's going to be a bit of a rotation back to Ethereum. There's a major catalyst happening this year for Ethereum. Uh, first of all, is the the Denkun upgrade that's coming in March or April. They're going to make layer twos super, super fast. They were looking at like 10 times cheaper transactions. So I think so, um, Ethereum and layer twos are going to have um, a bit of attention. Uh, you know, this year. Uh, again, layer two sort of under underperformed again last year. We've got uh, the restaking driven by um, the Eigenlayer token launch. So that should be coming out mid this year. Um, if you've been following the podcast and are a member of ours, uh, you have got on the um, Eigenlayer uh, airdrop uh, staking, which is coming up, which is super exciting. Also the Ethereum ETF, um, there's been talks that the etF uh, may be approved at some point this year so front running that ETF as we saw same with the Bitcoin ETF um, could fuel a movement for the ethereum price to continue uh, upwards uh, and then also that sort of stable coin fuel just continue to um to to build that narrative around uh you know uh, leveraging you know ethereum and things like that on on native stable coins so that's super exciting uh I think ethereum' is going to be a big one but I mean, Solana, if we just touch on Solana for a second, that has just been in the limelight um, for a little while now. Uh, Let's talk about the D PIN narrative. So, uh, we'll talk about what that is. First of all, though, like Solana, I think is up 900% in the last year or so. Like, it's had a huge growth uh, after the FTX events, and, you know, it had a lot of um, uh, the blockchain, we had a lot of time off. It was just
1: really struggling. But, I like uh, that. The blockchain had a lot of time off where they hit the pause button, mate. Hit the pause button, mate. (laughs) And that's it. So uh, one of our content creators, Leon, he's covered this uh, extensively, um, Metaverse Explorer, and he's been across this for years. We we give him a lot of stick about it because Solana kept pausing their blockchain. And it's like any company, like when you're, or product, when you're small and you start out, you're going to have failures. You need a lot of control. Uh, These types of things are going to happen. And then there was the Solana narrative with um, all the VCs dumping on everyone, Solana getting crushed into oblivion. But the community was still quite large and people were building and they've even delivered some quite decent games. And then these people that are active are now being rewarded with significant airdrops, which drives activities and claims back to the soul token. And the price has just gone through the roof. Yeah. People are cracking the shits with ETH because it costs so much for gas fees to move stuff around. Where on Solana it's like a cent and it's close to instant, so people are wanting to have that crypto experience and not get absolutely slaughtered and lose their money and pay a lot on Ethereum. But things that we're all used to, um, and that's why the narrative has really shifted to Solana. Yeah, hundred percent, Bergs, and that upgrade that they went
0: through um, recently, the the Fire Dancer upgrade, obviously, really has been a significant catalyst and um, strengthening to strengthen the Solana network. Uh, And then they've also got another upgrade coming mid this year, which is the Franken-Dancer, which may arrive in the first half of the year, uh, which has really just, um, you know, grown the slider ecosystem and and made things a lot better. But this D-PIN narrative um, has been sort of the top of people's, uh, it was top of sort of conversation at the moment. Now, D-PIN is a decentralized physical infrastructure network. Uh, It's basically a name for a blockchain network that uses tokens to incentivize communities not corporations to build physical infrastructure networks i so think mobility electric vehicle charging telecoms from the ground up etc so um in the world of large-scale infrastructure we're witnessing a shift from the usual top-down approach with the emergence of deep in unlike the traditional model led by a central authority deep champions decentralization spreading decision making across the network for increased capability so one of the projects that uh, we actually spoke about um, in our member community not that long ago was Hive Mapper. So, this was one of Matt's underrated altcoins um, for the year. And what Hive Mapper does uh, is it offers a token to drivers who install a dash cam, uh, like physical drivers driving a car, to collect mapping data as they drive around. And this basically uh, renders. Uh, so, the render allows anyone with excess GPU power to connect their hardware to its protocol to earn by providing computing power for customer use cases such as machine learning. So, very similar to the wireless network Helium, uh, which is a 5G mobile network, you basically just get paid to utilize this hardware to build out the software using your data, which
1: is kind of cool, Bergs. I've seen this before. Like, so back in the day, we used to have. Uh, SETI and protein folding. So SETI was like um, SETI at home. It was some, you know, satellite thing and they'll get massive images from space and they'll need people's extra CPU compute uh, in order to solve these problems to then render those images. And protein folding was a similar thing. So they're working at different proteins in the body need massive compute. This is before cloud and everything like that. And people would just rent out their CPUs. You do it for free because it's it's a volunteer type thing. But then I had this narrative again, Ben, where it's uh, – do you remember IOTA? This was exactly yeah, the yeah, same yeah. thing where yeah. you'd have their Internet of Things, you'd have IOTA tokens, you get paid to rent out time and um, use that extra compute to validate transactions. And now we've got it again. And I like the narrative, but first of all, doing anything with decentralized compute absolutely sucks. <laughs> No one will even people that work in it will never recommend it. Then there's bandwidth restrictions, what you can do, what you actually get, overheating your device, lots of other things as well. I like it as a concept, but it'll be interesting to see how it actually goes in practice and at scale. Yeah, it's interesting. Um we'll, we'll definitely find out. And the price has run up. I mean, the
0: the you know, high vapor itself is only 120 mil market cap, but like you said, Bergs, like these things are, you know great ideas and great on paper but then the execution is just like extremely difficult to pull
1: off just look at the narrative ben it's deep in are you not in deep in no you're not across deep in mate you got to be across it you got to get in there it's the latest thing it's amazing i got 15 deep in tokens to go through the roof mate what is deep in no i couldn't tell you mate yeah exactly and i bet you that yeah the majority of people even if you see that physical infrastructure network would not know what that means and the actual IT tech that has to like plug together to be able to run on those devices and do certain things. And it's a nightmare, but it is a really good narrative. And some things do work like mesh networks work. Things like, um, what are those little tags, those Apple AirTags? Yeah, AirTags that's an example yeah. of that. We create a mesh network with the phones. And if there's a tag nearby, it'll let you know. That kind of stuff really works. So if these guys on the projects in Dping can crack it and use something like this and people get rewarded, that's amazing. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Now, in terms of
0: stepping it back a little bit, looking at the macro thesis for 2024, this is a a piece by Victor who posted this for our members um, very recently, just around the macro thesis for 2024. So, basically, what he's talking about here is the rate hiking cycle has ended and the consensus outlook for rates is starting to trend lower this year, which is a positive. If the economy performs so well that it overheats, he doubts that many rate cuts will occur, and as such, rates will only decline if the economy permits it. Now, moreover, the extended period of transitory inflation will lead to a deterioration of U.S. household savings. This will lead to a slowdown in consumer spending, pressure in corporate profit margins, and in turn, the labor market will slow, leading to weakness in wage growth. Now, finally, the U.S., uh, the Fed, uh, will have the comfort to drop rates. He's in the camp that the Fed will not reduce rates as quickly as the market expects, but rates will fall further from the Fed's, from the Fed's current forecast. And then obviously we have got the U.S. elections will also play play a pivotal role, um, and uh, and a few things happening over in China and the debt recycling market. So great little report there um, from him. Overall, I think it's going to be uh, relatively positive for uh, risk on assets. Uh, this is my opinion. Um, risk on assets if the the rates continue to come down, and um, you know potentially start to see Bitcoin really push uh, post Bitcoin halving, and uh, yeah, Matt. Matt also sort of agrees with this, thinking that we'll we'll probably hit um, all-time highs for Bitcoin. Nick, not so much. Our other
1: analyst, he thinks we'll get close, but uh, that's in the camp of of all-time highs. That's awesome. And if you think just in your day-to-day, like things are getting more expensive. We hear about housing crises every single day. This is just within Australia. It's probably even worse in the States. They've got an election coming up and generally leading into election, they'll make promises, they'll do rate cuts, they'll do whatever to get in. And we... Generally, tend to follow the states, especially in money markets. But I think, you know, you can't raise interest rates forever. You can, especially at the the point they're at now. Like we're almost at breaking point for a lot of people, particularly in Australia. There needs we're doing some tax cuts. They're not significant. Prices are still going up, so something needs to be done. Inflation inflation does need to be curbed, but not so much that you know, you get a riot on your hands. <laughs> I think it takes a lot for Australians to riot. The French, not so much. But um, yeah, things, things are getting expensive. They're very challenging. Interest rates are high. And once that comes off the boil, capital becomes cheaper. People start to invest more. They have more money and access to capital and they'll start to flow into risk on assets. Yeah, man. I, I sat down and did my
0: personal finances the other day and it's, it's fascinating. You sit down and you go, wow, like, like it, unless you're investing, you know, you're not going to be able to get ahead in life unless you're like you know 150 170 200k plus sort of salary and and maybe you have a family and you got a spouse and you can sort of you know bring your incomes together but you know it, it it's very expensive to live in a, in australia it, it, well in the cities especially like the cost of living has gone up so much and then and even uh, i spoke to a, a friend of mine who's, who lives in america recently she was telling me that like teachers in the US have a second job during the holidays to be able to afford to to live. Like they're not on high big wages at all. Yeah. And during summer holidays, they're on
1: they're on the second job to pay for things. Like that's what? Yeah, they don't get the benefits that teachers over here get. I I think teachers over here are still underpaid, but in the states especially. And, you know, it's it's a core job that they need in the States. It's very, yeah. Things are very challenging over there. I, I saw a tweet where it's like if you take out the top four big tech companies from the States. Like, what do you have left? And it's like, whoa. Because they generate like a lot of income, a lot of taxes, a lot of jobs. Um, yeah, challenging times. Wild. Anyway, so looking at our bold
0: predictions for 2024 um, from our analyst, Nick expects the stablecoin market to hit all record highs. Um, an S&P 500 company adopts Bitcoin and the Lightning ne- Network integrated by an e-commerce giant. I like that.
1: Um, and a Web3 native game wins over our Web2 gamers. And All right, hang on, hang on. Before we go yep. on, let's yep. speculate here, mate. So, stablecoin market cap, yeah, I think that's a given where if yep. everything else is going up, you'll need to rotate into stables to take profits. Yep. Now, who do we think this SP 500 company that will adopt the Bitcoin Lightning Network integrated by an e commerce giant? What do we think in Amazon, Apple, PayPal, yeah, Twitter? It could be, yeah, it could be Twitter.
0: Uh, it could be Twitter. Maybe it could be Shopify. I mean, probably Shopify already has some sort of integration. But yeah, I'm I'm thinking Twitter. Um, maybe Amazon. I mean, that's a stretch. I think this year, but you know, if Shopify goes and then you know Amazon come
1: on board or mines mines actually they do move a bit slower. But I think Apple because for years they've been talking about building in um, different types of wallets, particularly Bitcoin ones into their phones and into their Apple hardware. And if if we're really talking about this, they do similar shit anyway with the way their hardware is and the way it's set up um, and the, the security protocols that they have. So it won't be anything kind of new. It's just done in a different way and native to a device. Um, so they definitely have the capability there. And could you imagine if you just had a phone and... It was a common phone like an iPhone and it just came with a Bitcoin wallet in it. It was a hardware wallet already. That would be cool. How crazy is that? That would be very cool. The reason the the reason I think
0: Twitter well, the reason I don't think Apple is just because of how restricted they are on anything.
1: Like even think about it, like our thirty percent, you know, Apple store app store sort of revenue thing. Well, I don't think they're necessarily restrictive. I think they are for other people because they want to own and control everything so if they own it and there's an opportunity i think they'll go for it and i think especially among younger people where i've heard this so much where housing so expensive wages are quite low for younger people that they're starting to invest in crypto because it's one way to leapfrog a generation because the, the risk is there but the reward is also there whereas if you just invest in like shares, it's unlikely that you're going to get the multiples that you're seeking to accelerate your wealth. So that's it. And Twitter's already said as well that they are going to start integrating crypto payments. So it'll be interesting to see which one they actually choose and how they do that. So Twitter or X
0: just announced or just launched in the last sort of week or two X payments.
1: Ah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. The the account. uh, Yeah. So... Funny, we'll see. There's no, there's no text, there's no anything. Um, so we'll see what we'll, happens. Amazing, and uh-huh. a Web three native game wins yeah. over Web two gamers. That would be amazing to see because Web two is an insane. Sorry, just gaming is an insane market. Yeah. Like I even like play Apex Legends, and just to see people go to and from that game every couple of months when there's a new release. And it's just so hyper-competitive, Red Ocean. So they'll need to compete with those guys. To be honest, they don't even need to mention it's a Web3 game. It just needs to be a good game. I want to see Web3 devs make an amazing Web2 game. And let's be honest, they're building on similar tooling. They're just adding Web3 componentry. So it's more about kind of the business model behind it. And it needs to be seamless to the people. So it needs to offer them something that Web2 gaming doesn't have. So an amazing game, a different game, or different game mechanics to really bring them over. But you're right. Like,
0: Who cares about blockchain and Web3 and NFT? Just make a good game. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's exactly it.
0: Awesome, man. And Matt's uh, was Solana breaks all-time highs of $260. Um, the real-world asset sector fails to meet expectations and underperforms the market. Interesting. And transaction fees on Ethereum Layer twos are still widely considered too high in the months after the Denk upgrade keeping the window of opportunity open for other low-cost blockchains to attract users and developers. That's interesting because, you know, I'm pretty heavily invested in the IWA sector. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I definitely think that it's got a lot of narrative there at the moment. Um, so we'll see if that sort of, um, you know, continues to bring retail interest. And then, the yeah, the transaction fees on the Ethereum layer twos. I mean, I think that's why we're seeing so many people pile into alternative blockchains, Avalanche, Solana, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because of how expensive Ethereum is. So, yeah, see how
1: that plays out. I agree with the first two. So, um, Solana will break an all-time high. I definitely think so. Uh, Real-world assets, yeah, I think that's... It's a boring thing. And I think if you're in crypto, um, I don't know if they're really going to go towards this or if it's going to get traction. I know a lot of people that have been trying this for years in real estate and gold and a few other things, and it hasn't really taken off. I don't see how that will actually... um, take off now even things like flat coins I don't think they will really take off Uh, and transaction fees on ethereum layer 2 considered too high that's interesting because from my perspective they're really really cheap Um, you know they're more than solana but they're cents right and they're almost instant and matt could be talking about um, ethereum l2s and they're settling on l1 Mm -hmm. that could still be expensive having to go between the two Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's interesting like attracting Low cost blockchains attracting users and developers. Because the chicken and egg problem, right? Like if you've got all the developers, they'll make the stuff. And if they make good stuff, people will come. If the people are over there, then that's where I want to go because everyone's there and they're already using that technology.
0: Yeah. I think that's why we're seeing so many competitive uh well, I mean, that's why Solana's run so good. And I think that sort of, you know, um confirms Matt's thesis here is that Solana will continue to run based off the fact that Ethereum is still expensive to operate. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how-
1: it's interesting where maybe Solana's like, there could be a two speed kind of thing here where Solana is a thing you just barrel in, you do what you want. It's amazing. You have fun, you play games, you get NFTs. If you've got something serious, like an expensive NFT, or you want to send a decent amount of money or whatever it may be, you start doing those on L1s like Ethereum. Yeah, and that's where the security comes in, right? Like, why is yeah. Ethereum so good and why is it expensive?
0: Because it's, it's not going to disappear. It's very. um, Uh, It's very secure. It is slower. It's more expensive. But, you know, you've got the backing of the whole Ethereum community, not just a new blockchain. So, absolutely. Cool, man. So, interesting. To wrap things up, uh, you know, our forecast is really for, and this is back to the macro a little bit, but the forecast is for looser monetary and fiscal policies around the world in 2024, driving the price of hard assets higher, i.e. Bitcoin. As asset owners experience a greater sense of wealth, they will consume more and speculate more, leading to a repeat of euphoria. Well, we don't know when this will occur. We are confident it will will return and it's simply a matter of time. And I think that's really lined up with the post-halving events. Uh, We bring in lower rates. We start to print more money. Assets go higher. People speculate and we bring on a bull market. Hopefully that uh, plays out later this year. Amazing, mate. Bring it on. Bring it on, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, if you found it valuable at all, we'd love for you to give us a follow on the podcasting app that you're, you're on, whether you're on Spotify, Android, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a follow or subscribe. It helps us uh, grow the podcast, gives the algorithm what it needs to keep showing us to uh, to new people. And if you're on YouTube, um, leave a little subscribe. It really does help us out. We thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, champions.